God has no greater joy than to hear that his children are walking in the truth. We are dedicated to letting the truth of God's word lead us. You are listening to One Truth Ministries podcast. Here is your host, Ashley Poseen. Hey there, this is Ashley. I want to kick us off today by sharing Proverbs 15, verse 3. Um, The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both the evil and the good. The Lord is watching everywhere. I had a friend growing up. um, She was my best friend. I had so much fun with her as kids. Our parents uh, were both missionary parents, and we just had the best time together. But I can remember her mother sharing with me that when she was younger, uh, you know, they were having a big group of people over to their home, I'm sure for Bible study purposes. And, uh, you know, they were over there, and she was supposed to have gone to bed. They had a big, great bowl of very tempting candy bars that were, you know, out for their guests' enjoyment. And so her mom was sharing with me that, you know, she'd already told her daughter, and of course she's my best friend, so I I knew her quite well. I, I could understand her attitude. But her mom said, you know, I told her, you are not allowed to have any of this candy. You're going to bed. The adults will be down here. Go to sleep. You know, so put her in her room, and the adults are discussing, and they're talking. And out of nowhere, there, uh, my friend comes out from the kitchen where this big bowl of candy had been stationed at that moment. So she comes out of the kitchen. She has her hand covering her eyeballs. Her hand is over her eyes, and she's got a great big candy bar in her hand that she's just happily eating as she makes her way from the kitchen. She's kind of bumping into the walls, going down, trying to find the hallway and, you know, return to her room. And so her mom immediately grabs her and says, hey, what are you doing? I already told you, you are not allowed to have a candy bar. Why are you downstairs? And she responds to her mother by, you know, her hand is still over her eyes. And she said, wait a minute, you can't see me. You can't see me at all. I can't see you. You can't see me. You don't know what I'm eating. And she keeps going to her room. And, you know, it was one of those family stories they would tell over and over again. But of course, just like the hard lesson that she had to learn, we have to understand the truth. Just because you can't see somebody does not mean that they are not there watching you. Uh, It's foolish to think that just because we can't see God, he can't or doesn't see us. Today, we are talking about the omnipresence of God, the omnipresence of God of God. So um, um, amazing to me as we get in further into our study of who is God and what is God like, we are talking about the attributes of our God. Uh, Currently right now talking about the incommunicable attributes of God, those attributes that he and he alone has that we do not share. And so today let's jump into discussing and describing the omnipresence of God. One of my favorite stories, there was this old preacher who was riding in a train, uh, you know, just going along somewhere, and he ended up sitting by this little boy. Now, this man who had got on the train, he had an extra apple with him. And so he begins conversation with this young boy, and he says, hey, young man, I, I will give you this apple if you can tell me where God is. And I love it so much because without missing one little thing, uh, jumping right into his answer, the little boy turned to him and he said, Mister, I'll give you a whole barrel of apples if you can tell me where God isn't. And I just love that. (laughs) I love it so much. I love it when God gets to put 
you know, the wise to shame with the things of the foolish. But it's such an awesome thing here. This guy really thought he was going to stump this young man. I'll give you this apple if you can tell me where God is. And the little boy, I'll, I'll give you a whole barrel of apples if you can tell me where God isn't. And that, that is the truth. Psalm 139, wonderful depiction of God's omnipresence. Just listen to this with me. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you and the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. You created my inmost beings. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. This is probably just one of the best passages in the Bible describing the omnipresence of God. I love it so much. And I want us to get a good working definition. If you're not familiar with this theological term, the omnipresence of God, let's break that down. It's really simple. Omni, of course, in Greek, meaning all presence meaning present. In other words, God is all present. He is near to everywhere all the time. In fact, Webster's would further define omnipresence as this, constantly encountered. I got to tell you something. I love that definition. God is constantly encountered. He is near to everywhere all of the time. I remember at one point um, earlier, I, I was speaking to a group of ladies at a ladies gathering, and um, I asked them to do me a favor. I wanted them to conduct kind of this activity. And so I asked them, you know, not, not looking, not cheating, not looking at anybody else's, but to get their Bibles out and to turn to the Psalm in the Bible that matched their age. Now, right now, for decency's sake, I didn't want anybody peeking over anybody's shoulders, you know, judging people by their age. But I said, you know, go to the psalm that matches your age. I counted to three, and I asked them to read it silently to themselves on the count of three. Everybody in the room, read this particular psalms on the count of three, and read it again. Keep going through it until I told them to stop. And then I asked the, the group... You know, was there a verse that specifically meant something to you that day where when you were reading it at that exact moment, uh, was there just something where you said, man, I needed to hear that today. I needed that encouragement. I needed that direction, that warning. It was amazing to see so many hands go up in the room because I asked them, I said, raise your hand if a particular portion or a verse, you know, meant something to you. And so many hands went up in the air just from that short amount of time. And so I asked some to begin sharing their verses and what God was speaking to them. And it was incredibly encouraging. But what I wanted to, to ask them was this, after everybody, you know, after a certain person shared uh, what God was teaching them through that Psalm, I would say, okay, God was with her. He was speaking to her right now as we speak. Right now, as we met, God was speaking to her. And so was God only with her? But see, then somebody else would share what God spoke to them out of the psalm that they were reading. And we could say the same thing. Okay, God was with her right there, speaking to her right at this moment. And was she the only one God was speaking to? And we went through so many people realizing God was speaking individually to people all over the room. 
And so the question was, do you think that God was actually having to run from person to person in that tiny time period that we all read together? Do you think that somehow God was overwhelmed that so many people were reading his word at the same time? I mean, do you think really that that God was up there going, oh, no, 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 Ashley, don't have him do this. Uh, How am I going to speak to each one now? I mean, was God really stressed about that? Obviously not. God is present. He is near to each one of us all the time. And we have to realize that God, you know, he, he spoke to all of those women in that room all at the same time, right there in that moment that, we're, that we were meeting. And that wasn't even scratching the surface of what was going on that, that night. We happened to be meeting together on a Wednesday night and all over the town we were in, there were churches and small groups re- meeting right at that exact moment, thousands and thousands having their Bibles out in front of them and God speaking to each one, being near in that moment to each one. And that was just in one particular city. Think about the whole state. Think about the nation. Think about the world. God is close to, near to, everywhere, all the time. If we are wondering right here in this moment of listening to this podcast, God, where are you? The question is answered without hesitation from the word of God. In essence, God is saying, I am where you are. Look at Psalm 139 again, what we just read. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your your presence? He says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. He's going to continue on finding out there is no place he can go where God's presence is not. You know, we we have to ask that question. uh, Where can we go from God's presence? Because God is saying, I am everywhere all the time. I am exactly where you are. Jonah tried fleeing from God's presence. How did that go? How'd he do? Adam tried to hide from the presence of God. How long did that game of hide and seek last? Those of you who know your Bible are going to know it didn't last very long. You know, God says here in Jeremiah 23, 23 through 24, God is speaking and he says, am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth? He's saying, look, I complete, my presence completely fills all of heaven and all of earth. God fills everything, and yet God surrounds everything. It's an amazing thought. You know, you can take a cup of water and submerge it into a bucket of water. And I would encourage you to think about this. Think about taking a cup, submerging it into a bucket of water, and what you'll find in that moment is that water completely fills that cup to overflowing, and yet it also surrounds that cup on every side. That is the presence of God in our life. All things find their being in Him, for in Him we live and move and have our being. This is what Acts tells us. If all creation can only have um, our being in God, submerged in God, surrounded by God. How can we ever get away from his presence? He is always present. I know this to be true because if God had any limits, any borders, if there was ever a place where God was not or could not be, then that place would mark the confines of God, the restrictions of God. And if God is restricted, limited, or confined, he is not God. You see, as a human, I have certain places I love to occupy. 
you know, you could usually find me in, in what my family refers to as my nest um, of study at my home or, or on my beds with my kids every evening or during the holiday season, I'm going to be in my kitchen making something. But in my humanity, I'm only ever going to be in one of those places at one time. In fact, I know I've said to my kids and probably my husband on numerous occasions, just hold on. I can't be everywhere at once. Have you ever felt like that? I just, I can't be everywhere at once. I can only exist in one somewhere because I am finitely made. God, however, is not limited by anywhere. He exists. He fills. He is near to constantly encountered all the time. However, like with most attributes of God, it's not just understanding what it is, it's understanding what it is not. And sometimes we need to understand that, we need to think on that when we study the attributes of God, not only what is this attribute, but sometimes even more importantly, what is this attribute not? What does it not mean? For some, we may just not know that God is omnipresent, or maybe we've never given it much thought, but for others, we may have a wrong, misguided, or inaccurate understanding of God's omnipresence. So let's get some clarity on this. Let's try and think through some of these things. What omnipresent is not? I want us to talk about that today. We're going to jump back next week and continue our study of God's omnipresence. But today, let's at least be clear about what God's omnipresent omnipresence is not. God's omnipresence does not mean that God merely has access to everywhere. Kind of like the ancient Near East uh, believed about their gods. They believed their gods, you know, had access to everywhere, but not that they were everywhere. And God's, when we say that God is omnipresent, we don't mean that he just merely has access. God is in every place. You know, I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I hate having limited access I mean, to pretty much anything, right? That's why we get unlimited access, whether it's on our TVs or our phones. It's just, it's frustrating, I think, to us living in this century of having to have limited access. And for many things in life, I want full access. But I'll tell you something, as a mother, I've never wanted full access more, it seems, than when it has to do with my kids. And I can remember God teaching me this incredibly important lesson when I was pregnant with my very first child. And he's in my belly. And you know us first-time moms. I mean, we kind of tend to flip out a little bit all the time. If you're my case, you're flipping out all the time. I had a really hard time with this, especially as he grew, because if I couldn't feel him move as much as I thought I should be, I would tend to get very fearful, very scared. I would immediately panic and want my husband to take me into the hospital and just verify that, you know, he's okay and he's got a heartbeat. And I would, you know, just constantly, I, I want to know, I need to know that he's okay. Give me another ultrasound. I need to see him. I need to make sure I can have access to him. And at one of these moments when that just was not an option for me, I was sitting in my living room and I'm praying about this and I'm, I'm just stressing out about my unborn child. And I remember God having a conversation with me. He said, Ashley, just like now, and I'm not kidding you because I wrote this in my diary at the time, so I'm literally going to read back to you my conversation with the Lord uh, where he spoke to my heart. Ashley, just like now, you are going to spend most of his life not having direct access to him. If you want to reach him, reach out to me because I am the only one who is with him, who can always reach him. In fact, I am there with him now. God doesn't just have access he is there already. 
He's already there. And I'll tell you something, that lesson, now that my son is nearly 17 and he's out driving and has a job and, and even more so, I don't have access to him all the time. But I know the one who not only has access, but who is there with him. And just like God taught me, you want to reach him, reach out to me because I am there with him. God's omnipresence does not mean he merely has access. It means he is there already in everything. Now, number two, I want to go through a second uh, uh, phrase that um, omnipresent is not. So God's omnipresence does not mean that God is spread out thin like a layer of peanut butter as if God can be diffused. And I want you to think about this. When we say God is omnipresent, some of us begin to literally think about that moment. You, you know, you spread the peanut butter, but you only have a little bit left. So you've got to spread it really thin on your piece of toast. And somehow we think of God like that. Well, yeah, sure. God's everywhere, but man, he is spread thin as if God can be diffused as if somehow measured or can increase or can decrease. We start to have these thoughts about God that he could be measured or that he could increase, that he could decrease. The only way to stretch something out is if you can actually define the size of something and then hold both ends of that thing and pull it hard to make it stretch, right? But you see, God has no beginning. He has no end. We can never find the end or beginning of God and stretch him out uh, uh, hard and pull him out that way so that he's stretched thin. That just can't happen. He has no beginning. He has no end. And we will never just get a thin, stretched out layer of God in our lives. All of God fills heaven and earth. All of God fills all that is. Jeremiah 22, um, like we read, 23 through 24, he says, am I only a God nearby? Am I not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so I cannot see them? Do not I fill heaven and earth. He literally fills it. There's not a spot that he is not. God's omnipresence does not mean that he is spread out like a thin layer of peanut butter as if he can be diffused. God fills everywhere that he is. You are not getting the scraps of God. You are not getting a thin layer of God. You are getting all of him because he fills everywhere that he is. Thirdly, I want us to consider this. God's omnipresence does not mean that part of him is everywhere as if he could be divided. So he cannot be diffused. And here I want us to understand he cannot be divided. So you're not going to encounter just part of him wherever you are. God's omnipresence does not mean that part of him is everywhere. We learn this through the doctrine of simplicity, that God is not divided up in parts so that you might get the peace of God, uh, of the God pie, if you will, that you want or that you need. So what this means is the doctrine of simplicity says God isn't divided up. He's not made up in parts so that you just get kind of a piece of that God pie, like love. And maybe at this point, you're going to get a piece of God that's mercy, um, or somebody else is going to get the part that's justice, or the other person's going to experience the part of God that's omnipotent, and so on. God is always whole. God is all love. He is all power, all mercy, all justice, all the time, everywhere. All of God always is, and all of God always is everywhere. That's something that's very important for us to understand. You're not just going to get a part of him everywhere. All of God is everywhere and present all the time. You will encounter him in his fullness everywhere that you are. 
God's omnipresence does not mean a part of him is everywhere. And fourthly, God's omnipresence does not mean that he can be contained in one place at one moment and then go to another place and fill that place as if he keeps switching. So not only are you not going to receive a part of him everywhere, all of him is not going to be in one place and then have to move to another and have to move to another. He is the container of all things. Colossians 1.17, he holds all creation together. He is never himself contained because he contains it all. First Kings 8, 27, Solomon learned this, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built. Acts 17, 24 says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Isaiah continues that thread. It says in 66 verse 1, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? God is the container of all things. He will not be contained. Let's go to uh, number five. I want to make this very clear to us today. God's omnipresence is not pantheism. It is not pantheism, meaning this. This is what I mean by this. God is, uh, this is what pantheism would say. God is the universe and the universe is God. But just because God is everywhere does not mean that there is any mixture between God and his creation. God's omnipresence is not pantheism. It does not mean that God is the universe and the universe is God. Just like we cannot see the air, yet it exists everywhere and seems to take up no space, kind of like God. But when you turn on a light, that light also fills up that space, yet light and air remain distinctly different, don't they? You'll have light, you'll have air, they're taking up the exact same space in same place, and yet they are distinctly different. God is going to fill every space of creation But he is not creation and creation is not him. They are together, yet distinctly different. They do not become one with each other. Just because God fills all of creation does not mean he becomes his creation. If you try and mix the divine with the created, you lose the divine entirely. The finite and the infinite do not mix. God is with us. Listen to me. He is not us. I'm going to say it again. God is with us. He is not us and we are not him. God is God alone. God surrounds the trees, surrounds the lakes, the animals, but not one of them are God. He alone is still God. The finite and the infinite do not mix. He fills all of creation, every part of it. And yet, He is not creation and creation is not him. He is with us. He is not us and we are not him. So God's omnipresence is certainly not pantheism, but God's omnipresence does not mean that God was at one point everywhere during creation, but then took a step back and is now having a hands-off approach to his creation. That is called deism and that too is false. That is not what God's omnipresence is. Uh, presence is referring to. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I remain in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, we could do nothing if God has taken a hands-off approach, if he's cut himself off from us, 
then Jesus already said it very clear, you would bear no fruit. In fact, apart from me, you literally can do nothing. Our universe could not exist without the presence of God being in it, filling it, and causing it to exist. God's omnipresence does not mean that God was at one point everywhere, like deists would say, but now have taken a hands-off approach. If God were to take a hands-off approach from this creation, this creation would cease to exist. Let's be clear on that. In Isaiah 45, 7, God says, I form the light, I create the darkness, I bring prosperity, and I create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. You see, he has to be present with his creation because he alone is the one who brings about prosperity and disaster, light and darkness. He does it all. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Matthew 10, 29 through 31 are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of our father's care. Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid because you are worth more than many sparrows. God has not taken a hands-off approach to his creation. He is very much near to everywhere. That's what God's omnipresence is talking about. Not that he's taking a hands-off approach. Not that somehow he's a weird mixture of his creation and himself. It does not mean that only part of him is somewhere. It doesn't mean that he can be contained in one place and then all of him moves to a next place. It doesn't mean he's spread out thin like a layer of peanut butter. It's very important not only that we understand what omnipresence is, but what it is not. God does not merely have access to everywhere. He is everywhere, filling everything, and yet distinctly and perfectly God. He is a hands-on God. He is God and God alone, and He is all places, filling all things. Next week, I want us to start getting in to why this is so important what the big deal of omnipresence is for the story of humanity, for our personal story, what this means. And then let's ask some very important questions about God's omnipresence. That's what we're going to get into next week. This week, I wanted you to be able to at least get a handle on a definition for omnipresence, that God is all present, always present, and to maybe understand a few of the things that omnipresence does not mean because I know for several people, we have been confused on this subject or maybe had a misguided view as to what the omnipresence of God looks like and what it is. And so I want to remind you as we get ready to pray and close today, let's think again of Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there you will be with me and guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Somebody needs to hear that today. If you are questioning God, where are you? He is right where you are. You are not far from him. God is near to everywhere. He is always present. All of him filling all of everywhere that we exist, everywhere that his creation um, contains. He contains it all and he fills it all. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that your word is truth. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us the understanding, at least to some degree, as to who you are. You have revealed yourself to us. You share with us attributes that describe our God. 
Lord, you have stepped down out of the heavens and into creation and you have made yourself known. And Lord, I thank you that you make it so clear in your word that you are omnipresent. That is one of the attributes that you have that we don't share. But God, we praise you and glorify you in that truth. I pray it would resonate with us, that we would be reminded even today that we serve a God who is all present all the time. Nothing is outside of your sight. Nothing is happening in this world you do not see and that you are not present for. Nobody's going to get to pull anything over on you. Nobody's going to get to hide from you. You are present at all times and in all places. And may we live that truth out. May we glorify you in that truth. May we know who our God is. Our God is omnipresent. Lord, we pray that you receive glory and honor and power and majesty in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next week as we jump straight in to finishing this portion of the study, the omnipresence of God. We'll have so many cool things to talk about with it next week. Look forward to seeing you there. As always, I wanna encourage you to check out our website. If you need prayer today, we want to pray for you. We want to dedicate ourselves to that. Please go to onetruth-ministries.com. Find out what's going on. Connect with us uh, over Facebook and Instagram. Love to get to see you and hear from you. Have a great blessed week. Bye.